0: Let's do it. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, Major Jr. Hey, Connor McDavid of the Erie Otters. Matt Barzell of Seattle Thunderbirds. I'm Jonathan Yerwido from the St. John Sea Dogs. And Braden Holpe for the Saskatoon Blades. Gabriel Landescog. I'm playing for the Kitchen Rangers. Hi, this is Sean Couturier from the Drummondville Voltageur. Carter Hart of the Everett Silvertips. This is Taylor Hall of the Windsor Spitfires. Nathan McKinnon from the Halifax Mooseheads. NCAA. Hey, this is Jack Eichel. I play at Boston University. I'm Hey, it's Cale McCarve. Hey, this is Jack Drury. Hey, it's Kyle Connor. Hi, this is Ian Mitchell of the Denver University Pioneers. It's Morgan Barron from Cornell University. Quinn Hughes from the University of Michigan. Hello, this is uh, Jerry York, the coach at Boston College. The World Juniors. My name is Andres Fischko from uh, Team Russia. Hey, it's Joel Ferby from Team USA. It's Norris Sider from Germany. I'm Philip Röberg of the Team Sweden. It's Ellis hall Hey, it's Nicola Ehlers. It's Matt Sogard. Hi, it's Timo Meyer. Hi, this is Jordan Eberle. i Team Canada. The NHL Draft. This is Alexis Lafreniere of the Rimouski Oceanic. Ice cream bicep from the Sudbury Wolves. Connor Zary from the Camelot Blazers. I'm Alexander Holst. I'm Lucas Freeman Cole Perfetti of the Saginaw Spirit. Dylan Holler from the Wisconsin Badgers. Hey, it's Jake Sanderson, at for Team USA. Braden Schneider, Katie Dooley. Here's Marco Rossi. I'm from the other towns And more. Excellent! This is The Pipeline Show. Well, good week, everybody, and welcome to a, another episode of The Pipeline Show. In fact, it is the final episode of The Pipeline Show for Season 16. As we wrap things up, it will be a much shorter episode than normal today, as uh, there will just be the one guest, but it's a great guest. I'll tell you who that is here shortly. Uh, but it's a, a draft recap. We'll look back at what happened this past weekend with the NHL draft, and then uh, The Pipeline Show is taking uh, about a week and a half, 10 days, We'll be back with the start of Season 17, the week of uh, that ends August 9th. Uh, so that's going to be about August 14th, 15th, something like that. Of course, the Pipeline Show is brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky known to mankind. It is uh, the best, absolute best beef jerky in Alberta, and you can only get it in two locations. Uh, they have a location in Spruce Grove as well as one in Leduc. But if you happen to live in Western Canada and you can't get there, you can contact either location and they will ship the, your order to you anywhere in Western Canada. So that's Wilhock Beef Jerky. Their website is WilhockBeefJerky.com. W-I-L-H-A-U-K is how you spell Wilhock. And of course, uh, my guest will join me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline. Troubled Monk, delivering right to your door for absolutely free as long as you order online and use promo code PIPELINE. You can get that from Calgary to St. Albert and all the towns in between along Highway 2. And they're going to include you know, Sherwood Park, not really on Highway 2, but that's included as well. Neither is Sylvan Lake on Highway 2, but they link that in with their central Alberta route uh, that includes uh, Lacombe and Black Falls, things like that. But anywhere along Highway 2 between Calgary and Edmonton uh, and St. Albert, rather, including Edmonton, Leduc, and Airdrie and all the towns in between, uh, free home delivery. If you use promo code pipeline and uh, just checking the, uh, the website, there's a few new ones. Award winning IPA, this black IPA and that white IPA. So it looks like I'm going to have to make another call to Troubled Monk to try out some of the new ones before they're gone because they don't last long. That's TroubledMonk.com to put your order in and uh, don't forget promo code pipeline. All right. Just a couple uh, quick thoughts on This past weekend's draft, and obviously it was a huge day for uh, the Michigan Wolverines, you get the first two players who were on the team uh, chosen, as well as Kent Johnson going number five. And then you have incoming freshmen like Luke Hughes also going in the top five. I mean, it's it's a banner day. The Chicago Steel have to be pretty happy with the way things went as well. One, two, three, I believe it was six members of this year's team, plus Owen Power, who was on the team last year. That's just an indication of how strong a program Ryan Hardy put together. He was now signed and moved up with the Toronto Maple Leafs. I know afterwards there's uh, people who like to have the winners and losers of draft day. I I always find that uh, challenging because when I look at uh, individual teams to see how they did, and in my mind I'm like, okay, well, I didn't like what they did. It's because they drafted players that I'm less familiar with. Whereas a team that did, you know I think did a great job, it's probably because they had three or four guys who were on the show, and I got to support or, and/or I got to see them play live, so I have a better feel for them. But that doesn't mean that they actually did a better or worse job than the team next to them. I mean, you don't you really don't know these things uh, how they play out for four or five years down the road. Uh, but obviously, the selection that the Montreal Canadiens made at the end of the first round grabbed. Uh, raised a lot of eyebrows uh, deciding to select Logan Mayu, even though he had uh, said, please, nobody select me, please. Uh, That was definitely a head-scratcher, and the immediate outcry from the hockey world, let alone their own fan base, uh, justified why everybody said it's probably too dangerous to select that guy. So Montreal is going to have to spend the summer justifying that pick, and I don't know that they're going to be able to do that. Uh, we'll see what happens in the uh, in the short term here to see what they do to right that situation. And I thought Sam Cosentino on the um, on the television coverage really did a good job of explaining it. it it's a decent player, but you can't overlook the off ice baggage that's coming and what happens, what this means to the victim. Um, so there's so much to unpack there. And I thought I thought Sam did a great job of uh, of handling that. A great day for the Edmonton Oil Kings as well as they had two players taken in the first round with Dylan Gunther going to the Arizona Coyotes and Sebastian Cosa being picked up by Detroit. Ottawa grabbed Carson Latimer in the near the end of the fourth round as well. And with the last pick of the fourth round, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights had drafted Jakob Demick who is uh, the Oil Kings import pick this year. Now he obviously didn't play for the Oil Kings but it's somebody that Oil King fans will get to see uh, this coming season. And then uh, very late in the draft, the Chicago Blackhawks snapped up Jalen Lipan. That was with the 216th overall selection. So in all five members of next year's Edmonton Oil Kings team, assuming everybody's back, five Oil Kings drafted this year. So terrific for them. You can follow me on Twitter at TPS underscore Gee. Maybe you can let me know uh, what stood out for you on draft day. Was it an individual in the NHL team that had a great day or a bad day or was was it uh, like the Chicago Steel, a, a team or Michigan or Edmonton who had a number of players uh, taken from their program? That would be a great conversation. Let me know on Twitter at TPS underscore Guy. Okay, I'm going to tell you who the guest is uh, coming up on this week's episode and then we'll get right to it. I, I'll be honest with you, I'm really feeling under the weather right now. So this might not be the most lively introductory segment ever on the show, uh, but I apologize for that. Uh, So the guest that I have coming up is Chris Peters, who you heard on the program a couple of weeks ago leading up to the draft. He was one of the scouts who gave us six of his uh, personal favorites, and then one other guy uh, who he was uh, less uh, excited about, Uh, one of his personal favorites, Nico Houtenen, was the last player taken in the entire draft. Uh, We'll talk to Chris and get his overall perception of what uh, occurred, and we cover lots of ground. It's a nearly 40-minute interview, so let's get right to it. Chris Peters from Hockey Sense. When we come back, you're listening to The Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Hi, this is John Gunther of the MS All-Kings.
1: And he only got three All-Kings. Riley Satchuk three on through through neutral ice. Satchuk gains the line, floats it in front for Gunther, charging down, Gunther, and it scores! I didn't think they'd find a way to make that work, but it does. Dylan Gunther tucks it home. It's 6-3 Edmonton.
0: And you're listening to The Pipeline Show. troubled monk brew of the week hey it's one of my personal favorites but tell the people about it
1: the vacation mexican lager when the chores are done the lawn is molded the sidewalk shoveled this mexican lager is perfect for floating on fresh powder or floating down the river vacation lager is a little getaway every day player
0: comparable sydney crosby can do it all and is always in the conversation of the very best Troubled Monk, visit the tap room in Red Deer or get free same day home delivery in Alberta by placing an order at TroubledMonk.com. Troubled Monk, craft beverages worth sharing. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. And boom goes the dynamite. All right, we are back on the Pipeline Show and uh, just the one guest this week as we wrap up season 16. And Of course, it's the uh, draft recap where we'll look back and sort of have a reflection of what happened and uh, to help me do that, is a fellow was on a couple of weeks ago, actually, as one of the scouts who came on to share some thoughts uh, leading into the event. Uh, that's Chris Peters from Hockey Sense. Uh, Chris, welcome back. Thanks for doing this again on, on short notice.
1: Yeah, gee, always a pleasure. I, I'll, I'll always make time
0: for you. All right. Uh, I know that the immediate thing a lot of people look for right after the draft is winners and losers. I, I have a hard time doing that myself because... Uh, when I look at the, who the team's drafted, it's basically becomes, if, if I think they're a winner, it's basically just because they drafted guys I'm familiar with. Right. Um, but I'm not a scout, so I'm not sure. Do you do a, a winners and losers list? Was there a team that you thought did really well, for instance, and and one that you didn't uh, uh, really think they had a great day?
1: Yeah, uh, well, I didn't I didn't do a winners and losers, and I'm still kind of in the midst of doing my full class evaluations. Right now. Um, but, you know, I think one of the standout classes uh, is for me was actually Buffalo um, and they had four. their first four picks were guys that I had in my top 40 as well. Um, and obviously having Owen Power at the top, that allows you to, you know, you, it's hard to screw that up. Yep. Basically, if you have the number one pick, it's really hard to screw that up. Most teams don't anymore. Um, and, and so I, I think that he is uh, exceptional and he's going to help their team. On the ice, off the ice, um, and just building for the future. So, you know, we've all talked about him enough. I think everybody has heard all the great things about Owen Power, but you know, they, they did make that trade with Philadelphia where they traded Rasmus Crystallina and got a, a top, um, a top 15 pick out of that, getting for, the, you know, number 14. And, um, they took Isaac Rosine, um, or Isaac Rosen as I'm sure he'll become uh, very <laughs> yes. soon. Uh, and, Um, he, he's a, he's a really interesting player. He was a guy that I was particularly high on. Um, you know, he wasn't necessarily the guy that I had in that range, but he was, you know, he's, he's speedy. He's got, he's a scoring winger. He's got a tremendous shot. Um, he actually, you know, I'm at the world junior summer showcase and he scored a goal in the first game that I saw. And it was just Mm. an absolutely, uh, beautiful wrist shot. And, He scored a bunch of goals at the world under 18s as well. So I think he was a guy that really made a great last impression and allowed himself to, you know, to be in that conversation for top 15 pick. And I had no problem with the pick, but they also picked my, you know, one of my favorites that we talked about last time I was on here, Prohor Um as the first pick in the second round. And I think that that's um, basically I had him at at the very tail end of my first round, because I believe, you know, I I understood why he wasn't going to be a first round pick. But at the same time, I felt that his skill level was very much in line with many of the players that were going in the first round. Um and so I, I think that he's he's a fascinating player. Um, you know, he you'll have to wait a little while for him. Uh, but I but I like that. And then and then getting Alexander Kisikov uh as well, uh a high end goal scoring talent. Um, you know, he he's a guy that needs to tack on weight because he's a very light player, he's lanky, but he has one of the best releases. And some of the best offensive instincts in the class and, and was an, a dominant scorer in the, in the Russian U-20 league last year. So I, I am very high on him, um, and very excited to see what he brings to the table going forward. So, um, a lot to like there, a lot to, uh, look forward to in terms of, um, just, just everything at this point. I, I think that there's upside there. Um, you know, the rest of their class, I you know, they, they, they made a lot of, uh, bets essentially on upside and in talent. You know, there, there are a lot of guys that I didn't have copious notes on that weren't, you know, guys that weren't on my list, but I think that they managed to, to, to fill out a class with the number of picks that they had. And to me, for a team that's rebuilding, the more high end talent you can add into your roster, um, or into your prospect pipeline is, so important, and and I think that the Sabers succeeded in that in so many levels, and so that was a, a huge one for them. And uh, did you want me to do the the one I didn't like?
0: No, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. I, I wanted to go back a sec because you were, you mentioned the trade with Philadelphia, Buffalo, and Philly. Now you know I'm a Flyers fan. This was a weird weekend to be a Flyers fan because they they <laughs> they paid up. They paid a lot to get rid of Shane Gostisbehere, an offensive defenseman who's uh, questionable defensively. And then they paid a lot to get Rasmus Ristolainen. Did that make sense to you? Um, good question, Gee. I, I think I have, I have long been
1: a believer in Ristolainen being better than the numbers say he is. Yeah. Um, I, I think that to be his size with his skating ability and the offensive tools that he has, get him in the right situation and you might have more success. Um, and you, and, and quite frankly, I'm not, uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure that Philly Philly has the right situation for him to be in. Mm. Do I think he can be better than Shane Gossesbear bear? I do. I think that he has a little more defensive value, even though the numbers are not great in that regard. Yeah. I think he plays a more physical game. So he gives you a different dynamic and Philly wasn't the only team that was interested in adding Rasmus Lyman. you know, I mean, like there were other teams that were going to do it. They just happened to have. The best package, and it's a high price to pay for a player that has a ton of risk attached to him, and that. But but I but it, the good thing is is that I think Philadelphia still landed a first round caliber draft pick with their second round pick in Sam Ntumala. So okay. that that in tandem, it's it doesn't hurt as much to me. So you know I think that that's that's kind of. Uh, one of the things but it was a very interesting day on the trade front in general yeah I mean, just so many things happening and uh and that was that was certainly one of them but I think in the end you know I I, I still also am surprised that you know that that there wasn't a spot for um Shane Goss in Seattle if the if they were going to be willing to get it give up give up a pick to get rid of him right um I would have much preferred to have Shane Gossett's fair over Carson Tarunsky, but that's just me. So, you know, that's another element of the whole deal.
0: Yeah, I'm with you there. I I thought they were going to go like Ben Reemstike or something like that. And just to, even if you only have him for a little while and, and end up trading him. But uh, anyway, yeah. we're veering off course, uh, there were a lot of trades uh, at the draft. And that, you know, we always talk about it. Well, the potential for trades is here. And um, at least from an Edmonton perspective, it never seems to happen. The potential for big trades certainly uh, lived up to uh, uh, the expectations that some people had. That was, uh, and th- there could still be some big moves to go. I mean, who knows what happens with Eichel. Absolutely. I mean, it, there's, so, yeah, this is this is a fascinating time to be following the NHL, no question. I think everybody uh, had sort of the same group at the high end of the draft. I would suggest that the top nine, in some sort of order, was the the nine that uh, a lot of people expected. There might be one or two guys that could have been in that mix was the first big surprise of the day at number 10 with uh, with Tyler Boucher going to Ottawa.
1: It was uh I would say jaw dropping to be completely honest with you. Um and I am not like <laughs> it was, I read some comments from from Trent Mann, the scouting director of of the Ottawa Senators about um uh, about the the public lists and how you know the the scouting staffs know more than the public lists do and they, they knew exactly what they were doing, and they didn't think that if they traded back that they would be able to get Tyler Boucher, um, and that's largely true. I, I mean, you know, they, they, they do know more than we do. There are more of them in a scouting staff. They have more resources. They better know more than we
0: do. Yeah.
1: However, the, the situation with Tyler Boucher is how many times have players with his profile been picked in the top 10 and those are the guys that don't pan out mm-hmm. and that's I think you are taking on an incredible amount of risk on a player who missed half the season because of injury who is a physical player who is probably going to get injured over the course of his career just by the sheer nature of how he plays and, and I want to say all of this saying I think Tyler Boucher is a heck of a hockey player he's a guy that I would love to have on the team if, if I were running a team, because I think that the way that he plays, there's a huge amount of value in that. Um, I don't think it's 10th overall value. And that is the, that is the difference. And so I understand the, you know, that, that, that when you're, you, you have to defend your picks. And I also agree. The other thing I agree with Trump man about is if they tried to trade back, if they tried to trade back in the, uh, uh, into the draft, there is a good chance they wouldn't have gotten them because I do know that there were other teams in that 15 to 20 range that were interested in potentially picking him that high. But, you know, I I think that that's still, it's just a question. And, And you, when you're at the draft, you pick the players you want, right? You don't worry about who is a projected top 10 pick or not, but I just think that his style of play is such that it just, it tends not to translate to reaching top 10 value of a player. And I had him 44th on my personal board. Um, I did flirt with the idea of moving him up late in the process, even closer to the first round, especially as I heard how much NHL teams liked him. But, you know, I looked at his numbers. He, he did score more this year, but a lot of the goals were coming against lower competition. Did have some USHL games, but a lot against the North American league teams that they were playing kind of in uh, when they were trying to fill out their schedule. Um, so, you know, I, I have some concerns about the offensive upside for sure, but, um, and, and really the, the interesting thing about Ottawa is that it it didn't end with Tyler Boucher. They went size throughout and physicality throughout, right. It was almost like a throwback draft and they're like, Oh, I guess Pierre Maguire really is on their staff now. So,
0: uh,
1: it was interesting to follow.
0: Uh, I've been uh, driving the the bus on Sebastian Kosa. He plays for the Oil Kings right in my backyard. I, I'm part of the broadcast team usually, so uh, I'm biased when it comes to him. So I wasn't, you know, I, I he would have been the first goalie that I would have taken too because of that bias. But was it a surprise that he was the first goalie taken, or was it a bigger surprise how far Walstead fell all the way to twenty?
1: Yeah, it was it was a bigger surprise how far Walstead fell, but it was not a surprise for me to see Kosa go ahead of him, because I know that there were multiple teams that had Kosa ahead of him. Um, and, and I think that one of the things that I learned over the course of this season, you know, I think that I felt that Wallstead was a safer option than Kosa, but I didn't necessarily think he was a better option than Sebastian Kosa, just because Kosa is so big. He's so fast. I mean, you get a chance to watch him much more than I do live. Uh, I didn't get a chance to see him live at all, but he is, I think that his year to year improvement too, in terms of his control, his body control, his, his, his pre-shot reads, making the easy saves look easy um, all those things. He is a really impressive player and and to be six foot six and to move as quickly as he does. It's very difficult to find that. And I know that a lot of teams had him graded out as a, a future number one goalie some of them ahead of Walstead. And and I I thought between the two players, the higher, the higher ceiling belongs to Kosa. But I did think that in terms of technical ability, hockey sense, all these other things, I did like Walstead better. Um, And I was very surprised to see him fall to 20. I was surprised to see even more surprised to see Edmonton trade out of that for the option to get him, because I think that that's something that they needed. And then Minnesota, which has a good young goaltender in Kapo got a better young goaltender in Jesper Walstead. So, you know, I think that that was very, very interesting to see uh, how that all played
0: out. I don't know this for sure, but I had the feeling that if uh, Kosa was there for the Oilers, they would have taken him. So I was surprised that even though Kosa, yeah, just he wasn't there. I thought they would have just taken uh, Walstead, but whatever. All right. I think the big surprise for everybody at the end of the first round was Logan Mayu being selected at all. Uh, and going to Montreal, uh, the uh, outcry and immediate reaction, the backlash has already started to happen immediately. What was your thoughts?
1: I I felt, that uh, honestly, my head exploded
0: right when it happened because it completely
1: changed the way that I was doing my job Mm. (laughs) at that point because I'm trying to judge picks based on the merit of the pick, right, in terms of of how they'll do in the NHL level. This is something where the hockey side just doesn't even matter. It doesn't. It doesn't matter at all. And uh, and I was you know, I was one of the people that had him listed until I found out because I and and I'll tell you what. The, the other thing that kind of makes this crazy to me, and I know that there were teams that had him graded out as a first round talent. I never saw that in him. Um, so if, just to get back to the on ice, which is the least important part of it at this point, but to get back to that for a second. I mean, I have significant concerns about the players on ice product, not you know, the, let us let alone the actual situation that you know got him into trouble and and that you know basically got him criminally charged and fined. Um, so it, it's it it's such a weird decision on so many levels, not the least of which is that when you have to have a crisis PR strategy before you make a decision. Mm. Before you, you know, usually you're reacting, like I used to be in public relations, you're usually reacting to something that happened. And in this particular case, they were prepared to react to a decision that they didn't have to make. And so, I mean, what does that tell you when you have to put out a statement explaining your pick before, you know, you even, you can't even put out like a celebratory
0: tweet. Yeah, you're defending it right away. Yeah. Basically, on the whole, in the whole
1: situation, there, you know, it, it does come back to the off ice stuff. And I, I say, if, you, if you're a sport that touts character, that you that you hold your players to a higher standard, that you that you always are willing to say hockey players are the toughest and best people, and all these other things, you can't go ahead and make that decision. And I, I thought the next day, when they had uh, Trevor Timmons speak to the media, mm-hmm. uh, Mark Antoine Godan from from the Athletic asked him maybe one of the best press conference questions I've ever seen. Um, in in saying, you know, when a player when a player says that he doesn't feel that he deserves to be drafted, you know, why did you disagree with him? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, like, what what a statement! And there was no answer. So, you know, I mean, like, there there, there is no answer because there isn't. I thought that that my that that Mayu did the right thing. I thought he did the right thing by saying, "Don't draft me. I shouldn't be drafted." And I feel like on some level the canadians robbed him of the opportunity to prove himself yeah um and and which and i don't want to make him sound like a victim in this because obviously there's a woman in sweden who was the victim of a crime and i the message that was sent directly to her by by hockey the sport at large by the canadians making that decision is a terrible one and I just I you know this is a proud organization. It's one of the great organizations in 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 sport, and they sullied their good name on a decision they definitely didn't have to make, and it, and in my opinion, wasn't even justifiable on the on ice merits.
0: Excellent take. I uh, I agree completely uh, with everything you just said. Uh, Chris Peters from Hockey Sense is my guest. Uh, one of the teams that uh, was very active. Uh, in terms of trading picks, was Carolina. It seemed like every time it was their pick, there was a timeout call. It certainly made day two a, a lot <laughs> longer. But they kept trading a pick and adding a couple later on in the in the draft. Now, they ended up picking three times in the second and twice in the third and, and throughout. My question is, did they get enough value, though? Because you, trade, you keep trading back, and eventually you're trading out of the, the potential sleeper picks and things like that. Do you agree with what they were doing? Do you think they got players that can help them in the future?
1: I do. I I think that they actually. I think they had a pretty good draft overall. I mean, I I, the thing is, is they already have a really big prospect system, and uh, and they're running out of room for these guys. (laughs) So, um, you know, like where do you where some you know especially like the CHL players, you know, when you have to sign them under a certain amount of time, the European players, you know, you have decisions to make earlier, and you're forcing yourself into making. 20 decisions when you might when other teams are like making seven you know (laughs) it's like so it's it's kind of an interesting situation but what i will say is that i think the picks that they got in the second round every single one of them is a good value pick a great value pick um you know and scott morrow i had him lower on my list than they picked him yeah but i know that there were teams that really liked him and i've been watching him at the world junior summer showcase and he can't defend a lick, but I'll tell you what—he is an unbelievably skilled defenseman. It is—it is remarkable the hand skills that he has. He's got great size. You know, he—he—he he, he has so much work to do uh, because everybody has to kind of make up for some of the mistakes that he makes when he when he in in his reads and things like that. But I think that that's something that can be taught and honed and better. And he's just gonna—you know—he—he he needs the the hockey sense needs to come along. That's my. The, but the physical tools are gigantic in terms of. You know, just his his puck skills, his skating ability, all those things. Made I some mean, just ridiculous plays yesterday. Um, really like Alexi Salmi, who was uh, picked uh, next, and I thought you get two of the better offensive defensemen in the draft in terms of pure offensive ability. Neither are tremendous defensively, but Salmi's better than than Morrow is defensively. He's got makes better reads, but he's one of the better puck moving defensemen. Very smooth, good mobility, like his footwork a lot. Um, and then that third. First, second round pick is Ville Koivinen, who is a high motor, good skill level uh, kind of forward. That you know he's here at the at the World Junior Summer Showcase as a as an eight as a you know a 2003 born player trying to make sweet, uh, Finland's World Junior roster. And you know I think he he had a great U18s. He had a great U20 season. Um, you know all the things that he does are things that can help you win hockey games. So I think that he's, you know, that was a really nice value pick. Um, and then you just kind of go down the list. I mean, there's a lot of guys. Aiden Herschuk is another guy that's here at this camp. Jackson Blake was a was a, one of those players that a lot of teams wanted, but they wanted to make sure they got him in the right spot. And, you know, I, I think that he went pretty fair in terms of the value at, at 109 uh, to Carolina. So Jackson Blake is, is a really interesting player who will play in the USHL next season and then go to, the university of north dakota the following season following in his dad jason's footsteps so it'll be interesting to see what happens there uh robert Orr, robert don't call me bobby Orr uh from the halifax Mooseheads. really interesting player um he wasn't on my list but he was a guy that i think has some some, some upside um you know bryce montgomery is a huge bet that they made at 170 on a six foot five defenseman who has good mobility and tools and skills but didn't play anywhere last year because the ohl was shut down he in London night system, we'll see what kind of ice time he gets next year. But that's a, a really interesting guy with some uh, some tools. And um, I mean, like, you know, they had a 13 player draft class I could keep going on. And there are <laughs> other guys that I have notes on from their class. And what, the one thing that's interesting about Carolina is, you know, what Trent Mann was, was not very nice to uh, to the public list. But Carolina seems to pick the guys that the public list love. Mm. Um, so they always are going to be winners. At least in the press, but now we have to see. Now you have to develop all these guys. You have to decide which ones are actually worth contracts, and that's going to be a tough decision to make for them because, you know, how many prospects have we seen go through their system that they eventually had to trade away? It just happened to Jake Bean, just because they didn't. They ran out of room. It's a great problem to have, but it's it's just it's kind of fascinating to, to see kind of what they've been doing over these last few years. and I really do like the way the Carolina drafts, so I think they they make bets on upside. And I didn't even I didn't even mention Justin Roby either. Yeah. And I <laughs> he's, to get him that late, he was 45th on my list. He went 147. So I mean, you know, that high value pick there
0: for them. He's tiny, but he's got a lot of skill, doesn't he?
1: Absolutely, and he's great motor too. He just
0: works. Now, leading up to the draft, when I had you on, I was asking everybody for six of their personal favorites. And then one other guy, one of your personal favorites ended up being the last player taken in the entire draft. And Nico and uh, goes to Tampa. And you know, Tampa knows what they're doing. Uh, They always seem to draft uh, really well. Uh, Obviously, you were surprised that he lasted right to the very end of the draft.
1: I wasn't surprised that he lasted to the end of the draft, but I was fist pumping the air when he went because I <laughs> just because I knew that the the big concern is you know he's he's on top of not being a great skater, he's kind of out of shape, like you know, and and <laughs> and that's like and I and and not kind of, he just is, <laughs> um, uh, you know, and he's a big guy, he's really tough to move i the thing that fascinates me about him i mean you know Dustin Bufflin was once too fat to draft too and and but he but he did get drafted late like huutenman did and and I see a lot of similar qualities in in terms of power forward net front presence, hands near the hands near the net, um you know good decision making things like that so you know when I saw it, pretty much any time Tampa Bay takes a player that I like. It, it's like I feel absolutely vindicated in liking that player uh, because we've seen how much success they've had in, in the last years. I mean, and, and not just that Hootman pick, I think the Dylan Duke pick in the fourth round is like there could not have been a more perfect team-to-player fit yeah. in that range than Dylan Duke there. Because it, here's a guy that, you know, he's five foot ten, great at the net front. Every single goal he scored was from the hash marks down, uh, except for one empty netter. And and it's just unbelievable how good he is at the net front, despite being a five foot ten forward. And and that's the kind of guy that Tampa has had success with over the years. So it wasn't a surprise to me to see them get good value with very few draft picks. And yeah, but Nico Houten going last overall being the de facto Mr. Relevant just made my heart sing. So I was I was feeling good about that one.
0: Luke Hughes gets drafted by New Jersey. Uh, Shane Doan drafts Josh Doan to uh, Arizona. Uh, Colton Dock gets uh, drafted by Chicago to join older brother Kirby and uh, in the 7th round uh, another Macar heading to um, to Colorado, uh, Taylor Macar from, from the Brooks band it's uh, is picked by them. The bloodlines uh, really seem to be a major factor this year.
1: Not just bloodlines but just familiarity and and honestly you know, I was I was interesting. I was having a I was having a conversation with a with a scout last night here in Plymouth. And and I was asking about, you know, you know, kind of the how 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 much is emotion involved in the decision? He's like every single decision that's made the second you make that pick, there's some amount of emotion involved from somebody, whether it's the area scout that knows the player, whether it's there's a familial tie. Whether there's you know whatever it is, but he said it's all emotion. He's like analytics definitely play a role, and you you have that, but the but the emotion that comes into play is there. And I think for teams that didn't have the kind of season, the kind of evaluation opportunities that they would normally have, there was a lot of going with familiarity. If they had an area scout that felt very strongly about a player. But maybe the crossover scout didn't have the same feelings or maybe, you know, they they went ahead and took the player because the guy that knew him best felt strongly that that was the right pick. And, you know, the very interesting thing, like Josh Doan went way higher than I think anybody expected him to. And I'm not sure I'm not sure that Arizona, if they would, if they still would have been able to get him later in the draft.
0: They took him at 37 and he, they were picking again at 43.
1: Yeah. I mean, but even, I mean, even past that. So like, you know, like, so, but yeah, they basically wanted to make sure that they got him. And the one thing that I will say about Josh Stone is, you know, he's going to be under pressure for the family name, but I think that the one thing that they knew the player well, and he legitimately was to my, to my eye, the most improved player year to year in this draft class, Mm. Uh, you know, just, just from, from what he was two years ago or last year, uh, 2019, 20 season with Chicago to what he is now. I mean, he was not even close to a draftable player last year when in his first year of eligibility this year, he was a 30 goal scorer on a championship team. The pace needs to improve. He needs to get stronger, but, but he, the one thing that they know is that he's really grown a lot in the last three years. Yeah. Um, so there there was a concern that he wouldn't get to be a, a big guy now he is he 's adding a physical element his skating still isn't there, so that 's going to have to come. but he has good hockey sense, and so they they 're very familiar and comfortable with that player and so based on you know would I have taken him that high, I would not have I, I, he was seventy seventh on my list, so you know obviously, I thought that he was more of a third round caliber player, which is still a pretty good player for the draft if you you know if you have that on your list so um so but but at the same time i think i understood it um you know same thing with colton dock i think you know chicago had late picks and so they knew that if they didn't get them then they weren't going to get them later um you know taylor mccarr it's your last pick of four for the for colorado um he's headed to umass he had a really nice season in the in the shortened ajhl season this year has some physical edge to him you know, why not take a chance? Because you know, you already know the family. You know the character of Kale. Similar with Taylor. He's headed to UMass. He's on the same kind of, you know, development plan. Obviously, a very different player and, and not at all uh, similar to Kale in terms of talent level. But, but you still have, you know, that familiarity. So I think that that actually played a huge role in the whole thing. As you know, these these, and that's why we saw so many similar, you know, those those familial ties to teams. Cause they're like, Hey, we have this, this, you know, we're, we're so uncertain about so many things. Let's go with some people that we know to have in our system. And I, I don't have a huge problem with that. Did they leave value on the table? I'm sure they did. Most of those teams did, but at the same time, it, it made sense for them at, at that time. Although I will say that the coyotes did have Aku Ratu and decided not to take Atsu Ratu at any point. So uh, that was, that was unfortunate. <laughs>
0: Uh, There were two guys that I had on this year on the program. I do it throughout the year where I get draft-eligible players to come on. Mark Lajoie with uh, the Tri-City Americans' big defenseman and uh, Ethan Strackey from the uh, uh, U.S. Development Program. Neither one of those two guys were drafted, so they surprised that surprised me a little bit. Were there guys who went undrafted that were surprises for you?
1: Well, I did have three players on my list that went unselected, and that's kind of typical, actually. I mean, it's like we're guys that... Um, one, one of the players that I put on my list that I was absolutely certain wouldn't get drafted anyway, but I liked him enough that I'm like, I'm going to be the guy. I'm going to be the, I don't care. I don't care if anybody takes him. I'm going to be the guy. And that was Bennett Rossamy, who is Germany's captain to U18 Worlds, who just hit everything and and has a good release and and played in, uh, the German second division this year and and actually did pretty well. I went back and watched video on him and I I liked him. So it doesn't surprise me that he didn't get picked. And I'm, I'm blanking on the two guys that, uh, the other guys that I, I that were low on my list that didn't get drafted. Oh yeah, Lorenzo Cananica. That is one that I was surprised, highly skilled Swiss player um you know played for Shawinigan this year, ended up going to um uh, the the U20s for Switzerland. They were so bad this year yeah. um and it was really it you know he made next to no impact, but that's because that team never had the puck. Um so uh, that, you know, that was a guy that I think has high end upside just because of the skill level that he has. And, he, you know, he didn't really ever have a chance to show it. I think he's probably needs to toughen up a bit, needs to get a little stronger in order to make an impact. But that's guys that I could see as a re-entry, um, going and, um, I'm trying to think. Uh, and Daniel Lazutin, who is a big Russian center, good two way skills, uh, more of a defensive forward. And he had some good moments at the under-18 worlds, but you know, not a lot of numbers this year. So I, I, you know, I wasn't surprised. But those were two, two guys that I had on my list that I figured would go that didn't. And then I, you know, and then I had the one guy that was on my list that I knew wouldn't go, but I was, I was going to be stubborn about it anyway.
0: All right, Chris. So we'll get to the summer showcase in a sec. But I, I did ask you about uh, a team that you were kind of shaking your head at with their decisions. Was there one that that stood out for you that was? uh Seemed like they had a an awfully curious day.
1: Well, I mean, I could say the Canadians for all the reasons that we talked about earlier, right? Um, but I think that the rest of their draft was okay. Like, I mean, you know, I would have liked to have seen any of those players taken before the guy they took in the first round. Yeah. Um. But but that's that's the way that goes. So, uh. But really, the one that puzzled me the most was Ottawa. Um. And it was just a, a lot of bets on size and physicality. Um, with Osta- Ostop, stop check, uh, with, with, um, Ben, Ben Roger, who is interesting. I think he has upside. Like, I think that that, that's a, that's a, 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 a bet on size that could pa- pan out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the Swedish player that they, that they selected, I didn't actually have a single note on, um, so I was like, Oh, that doesn't happen as much <laughs> that in that range. Um, but you know, so. Uh, so I will defer to the senators on that one Uh just, but it just seemed to me to have a top 10 pick, to have an opportunity to get more dynamic, to get a goalie of the future, to get really any, anything and to, you know, go for a a guy that I think will probably be a bottom six forward at best, you know, in terms of, you know, he might be a top nine guy if you're lucky could end up being, you know, a fourth line grinder. Um I just think that that is such a, a huge risk to take in the first round. And I, again, I will say it all day. I think that Tyler Boucher is a kind of player that you need to win hockey games. I think that you can, you can find those guys at less premium prices um, at, at both in free agency and through trade. And you usually don't use top 10 picks on those types of players. So um so that was the one that really just kind of, it did puzzle me. And and I have you know great respect for the work they've done in building a prospect pool that, that is, is much stronger than it was um, in, in, you know, just, you know, seven or eight years ago. Um, and it's, it's pretty impressive to see the groups that the, the group of players that they've been able to bring in either via trade or, or whatever, and, and have turned them into solid players. But I do think that they went in a direction opposite of the way the league is going. And I don't think that that was a, a very good choice on their part
0: fair enough uh now no rest for the wicked uh, right after the draft you're uh, back at work again uh, the summer showcase is in ann arbor and you are on site uh you're doing some of the games right you're broadcasting them
1: yeah i'll be i'm, I'm doing color for every game on hockey tv yep
0: all right so uh what do we as we're speaking right now it's monday just started right so uh, what have you what's yeah. the early impressions you're getting
1: well, you know, there it's great. There's so many guys. I mean, we had the first game that we did was actually on Sunday or Saturday during the, you know, the, there were three players playing in the game that got picked in the draft. So, that was uh that was interesting. I could have actually yelled down to them to let them know if they <laughs> they had gotten uh gotten selected, but
0: I saw that uh, tweet.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Aside aside from that, you know, I think that we're seeing uh one of the the crazy things that that I saw was, you know, Jake Sanderson and Luke Hughes playing on a defensive pairing together. That's two top five picks.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, you know, I don't remember the last time two highly drafted guys were out there. I think maybe true and Jones uh, or maybe Ransky and Hannafin at some point, if they ever played together. But, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's unbelievable to, to, to watch two guys that have elite skating ability do that. I mean, and really one of the important things is that Luke hadn't played since March um, looked like, he had missed no time uh, i think that maybe his he he didn't have necessarily the timing quite right but i think that the skating was outstanding and he, you know it was a, a a tendon injury in his foot um and there was a lot of concern about how that would impact his agility which is such an important part of his game there was no sign of any uh rust or 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 you know just diminishment of his abilities so that was pretty impressive um, Atu Ratu, who, you know, was one of the most maligned players of this, this draft year, um, uh, based on expectations that he didn't meet, had a four goals in the first game. Um, so the <laughs> day, the day he was drafted, he scored four goals, including an empty netter, and he actually missed on a penalty shot, so he could have had five. Um, and, you know, it was a, it was a great moment to see him looking like himself, looking like the guy that we all thought he could be. Um, the skating still needs to improve. He actually had a couple of opportunities that he, that he couldn't get really, you know handle because he couldn't skate to it and you know it's kind of that short distance quickness is really where I think he could use some improvement just to close on pucks better and you know make better plays but you know he's playing on the line with with Samu Tuamala and uh Roni Hervonin and those guys were just dominant in the games that they played they they really put pressure on teams with their speed and their skill the, the wings are speedy Hervonen and, and Tuamala um, you know, and the goaltending's been phenomenal. Yule Blomquist from, for Finland. Um, uh, Levi, Mar- Levi Marilainen, uh, who just, uh, I believe committed to the Kingston Frontenacs. Uh, he had a tremendous game. Um, it's also been great to see, uh, some of the guys that didn't play for a long time, like Aiden Campbell, uh, the goalie from Erie and Tucker Tynan yeah. from Niagara, who suffered the, the horrendous uh, skate cut injury two years ago has not played since that. So his getting his his first action, he did give up a goal, but he looked pretty good otherwise. Um, you know, getting his timing back. Just this is way faster pace than than the OHL. And so you know you're you're you're, you're coming back from an injury and you're you haven't played in so long and you have to come back to a pace that's even faster than you're used to. Uh, so I was impressed with that. Uh, Tanner Dickinson is another OHL player who hadn't you know played three AHL games this season. He scored two goals yesterday on elite shots. I mean, just incredible shots. I could not believe that he can shoot the puck that way. Um, and so, you know, that's the St. Louis blues pick that, that looked really good. And Doug Armstrong was in the building yesterday as scouts and GM start filtering in here to, uh, to Plymouth. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there's been a lot to see. There's no question. I mean, there, there you cannot ask for a better opportunity to see this many high end draft prospects because the U S has two teams full of them. Then you've got Sweden and Finland that brought extended rosters to this thing. So, um it's it's great to be back here and this feels like the unofficial kickoff of the season every year yep. and this is like the first time where i'm like yep we're back to normal we're getting there and and fingers crossed everybody stay safe out there because we are so close and i hope that we get the season that i know we can have and, and get things back on track
0: A perfect way to end it chris i really appreciate your time and thank you you, made, you said plymouth i said ann arbor earlier and I know you're in the USA Hockey's uh, home, so uh, in Plymouth, Michigan. Really appreciate your time, though. Excellent rundown and recap and uh, look back at the draft. Uh, I promise I won't call you for at least a couple of months as we uh, kick off Season <laughs> 17 in a, in a couple of weeks. But I'll give you a break from this show uh, for a little while. But thanks for doing this, man. Always great to chat.
1: Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks a lot for having me, Guy. Always always a fun time with you
0: that is Chris Peters from Hockey Sense. You can find his uh, recap. He goes through each team uh, one by one and uh, gives them uh, you know his review of uh, their draft day performance. You can find that at his site uh, for Hockey Sense. Uh, and I want to thank him for taking the time to be available. I know he's really busy right now. He and uh, Pete Krupski, uh, excellent play-by-play guy and a really good person when he was the Media contact for the Plymouth Whalers back in his OHL days. He was always a guy who went the distance, extra distance, to make sure that uh, I would get players and uh, anything that I needed. Uh, Pete's a great guy, terrific broadcaster. Him and Chris are doing the games from the Summer Showcase. All right, and that does it for uh, not just this week's episode, but for the 16th season of the Pipeline Show. means it's uh, uh, extra cleanup time. Uh, reminder, get your bidet from hellotushy.com slash pipeline. Stop wiping, start washing your butt. It's way better for you and uh, obviously way better for the environment. You'll go through way less toilet paper than you ever have. That bidet will pay for itself in just a couple of months couple of mentions uh, before uh, we shut it down for the season. I want to thank all the sponsors, obviously, who have uh, stuck with the show and some that have come on board here during the pandemic, which let's be honest, the last 16 months it's been a really tough time for, not just for the show. I mean, l- going through large and lengthy stoppages of uh, where there is no uh, hockey was definitely a challenge, but for all these companies and businesses that, uh, you know, their advertising budgets weren't there because, they, their normal operating income wasn't there. Uh, so I really appreciate uh, all the sponsors of The Pipeline Show. Of course, the, uh, the support I get from you, the listener, uh, via patreon.com slash the Pipeline Show. Patrons make this show what it is. And uh, your monthly support, most people, it's a couple of bucks a month. I really appreciate it. I know it's uh, not much for each individual person who, who chips in two bucks a month. I mean, you barely feel it, you barely notice it, but for me, it adds up and it really goes a long way. So uh, a really, really sincere thank you to everyone who has signed up to be a patron at patreon.com slash the Pipeline Show. If there are other perks other than early access that you would like, please let me know and I'll see what I can do. At this time of year, there are lots of new listeners to the program, uh, casual uh, NHL fans who don't watch junior or college hockey, but they, they're intrigued by uh, you know draft day. Uh, or Draft Weekend rather, and um, and are looking for podcasts to talk prospects. If you're in that category and you've uh, enjoyed what you uh, heard today or in the last month or so, uh, then I encourage you to uh, check out the Pipeline Show all year round. All these players that you've heard in the 2021 draft spotlight, well, I do that throughout the year. Draft eligible players come on the program on a very, very regular basis. It'll be the 2022 draft spotlight next season. But if you were a newcomer to the show, I hope you enjoyed it and that you'll be back for more. And, of course, you returning listeners who stop by every week or you download multiple episodes, thank you as well uh, for giving the show a listen. And I hope that uh, each and every one of you who does, wherever you get your copy of The Pipeline Show from, if you're able to leave a ranking or a rating or a comment, uh, then please do that. It really does encourage other people to give the show a try if you say good things about it if you only want to give it three stars or four stars that's fair uh, but for uh, most people who don't who do take the time to leave a comment or a rating it seems like you like the show which is great to hear and it uh, it feels feels good and uh you know I, I really make the show for me but and you, you kind of hope that there's an audience for it and i'm glad to hear that there is that's really encouraging moving forward All right, with that, there's really nothing left to say, so I will uh, be taking the next 10 days off, and we'll be back with Season 17 of The Pipeline Show in um, early August. Until then, everybody, get out and enjoy summer. We'll talk to you in a couple weeks here on The Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Turkey. My name's Gee Flaming. See ya.